We now have a five-way tie atop the Big 12 football power rankings as we wrap up the month of October. My goodness, can you believe it? I'm Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports. Welcome in as we cover the Big 12 Conference and we react to Week 9 and what was a great weekend for this conference and for this league. If you are on YouTube reacting to Week 9 with us, Throw us a thumbs up, hit that button below the video, and of course, subscribe to the channel. That way you never miss a show around the Big 12, and we'll be having shows around the college football playoff rankings coming out this week as well. It is going to be a busy month ahead for this conference, and we'll be covering it top to bottom here at Heartland College Sports. So thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being a part of the show, and you know what to do on iTunes. Hit that five-star rating and review. We so appreciate you doing that. And we'll hook you up with one of these Heartland College Sports koozies. I'm flashing on YouTube. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll hook you up with one of those koozies. So where do we want to start when it comes to Week 9 in the Big 12? Well, I feel like there's one place to start, right? And that is Lawrence, Kansas, where the Kansas Jayhawks take down the Oklahoma Sooners 38-33 to in one of the big upsets of the season. And for OU, the sixth-ranked team in the country, their first loss of the year. And for Kansas, you know, I would call this a a program-defining win, but it's really not. They've had a lot of those. They, you know, played OU close two years ago in Lance Leipold's first year. They beat Texas that year. That was a program-defining win. Like, they've had program-defining wins under Lance Leipold. They were only, I think, a kickoff, like an eight-point underdog in the game. But this, winning a game against a top-10 team at home, first time they've done that since 1984. They snap an 18-game losing streak against Oklahoma, the first time they've beaten OU since 1997. That matters. That is still, even though KU has turned the corner, they're now going to a bowl game for a second straight year, that is still a program-defining win. And they did it with a backup quarterback in Jason Bean who missed a lot of throws and made a lot of mistakes. Now, he had some clutch plays as well. Fourth and six on the final drive, that was money. That was clutch. That was under pressure. But he also, you know, he, he missed a lot of throws. Open two-point conversion attempts, um, open touchdown passes. He missed opportunities in this game on Saturday. But he had a couple of big throws when he needed to. They had a good rushing attack led by Devin Neal. Bean had himself a rushing touchdown and a couple of big rushes as well. He had a 38-yarder on the ground. And those things made the difference in this game. And that's why KU was ultimately able to pull this thing off. I thought it was over coming out of that lightning delay. And I got to question you, KU fans. I don't know what your deal was, especially the students. But it looks like after the lightning delay, the KU student section did not come back. I know you want to go to the bars. I know your toes are cold. You're leading the sixth ranked team in the country. And you leave the stadium and you don't come back. I mean, come on, go out of the stadium, have a couple beers, get back your, get your butts back in the seat. Come on, what is that all about? 
I know you're a basketball school, but you, you're leading the number six team in the country. You're trying to beat them for the first time since 97. You're trying to do something you haven't done in 39 years. And you guys bailed on them. I mean, I am happy for KU fans that they won the game, but geez, I couldn't believe that scene in the student section coming out of that lightning delay. That was bad. But hey, KU gets the win. They get it done. And, you know, they're right in the thick of the Big 12 title hunt. So it is going to be just a, a, a great scene going forward for this Kansas Jayhawks team. And now they go on the road to Iowa State. So uh, now for Oklahoma, what went wrong? Well, a lot of people are pointing the finger at Jeff Levy. OU fans are dumping on Jeff Levy. And I get it to some degree. He did not allow his best player to make plays when he should have, that being Dylan Gabriel. But the notion that this is all on Jeff Levy, it's almost like it's more personal for OU fans. They don't like Jeff Levy. They are finding reasons to dislike Jeff Levy. That's what this in large part seems like it's coming down to for a lot of them. I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of them. I mean, this is a defense, by the way, that when you look at this defense for Oklahoma, through the first five games of the season, they were giving up less than 11 points per game. And then you look at the last three, four games, it's been a very different team when you look at that side of the ball. They are allowing 33 points per game in their last three games. So which one is it? I mean, yeah, I guess Jeff Levy could do a little better, but this defense that a lot of you thought was going to be one of the best defenses in the entire country has now allowed 33 points per game for the last three and this last one to a backup quarterback in wet, damp, rainy conditions. So it's easy to point the finger at Jeff Levy because a lot of OU fans just don't like him, and I guess that's your prerogative, but it's not that simple. And Brent Venables is the one who fell on the sword after the game. He's the one who took a lot of the blame for how this thing went down. So this is uh, a tough loss for OU to swallow, but they are very much still in the thick of the Big 12 race. And of course, if they win out, I imagine they're going to be in a college football playoff when all is said and done. But right now, you know, OU is also a couple plays away from being five and three on the season. Let's be honest. So we got to pump the brakes here a little bit and just uh, try to get the bedlam. Now, as for those of you asking, uh, this is interesting. I don't want to jump ahead. I'm going to get to the other games. But Dave asks, what do you think the line is going to be for Bedlam? It's in Stillwater. I bet it's OU minus a touchdown. Oklahoma minus seven. That's my bet on what it's going to be. Now, let's dive into some of the other games uh, around the Big 12 Conference here. All right. Uh, Kansas State is playing some of the best football, not just in the Big 12, but in the country. They blast Houston 41 nothing. They have won their last two games, 82-3. to They haven't allowed a touchdown since the third quarter of the Texas Tech game. It's been 10 quarters since Kansas State gave up a touchdown. Can you believe that? And this was interesting on Saturday because they didn't do the Will Howard-Avery Johnson back and forth. Will Howard was the man. He was the guy in this game. It was all on him. Avery Johnson got an opportunity on the third drive. He had a fumble, and he didn't see the field again until basically garbage time in this game. 
So they did not do what they had done the last couple of games and, you know, really rotate these guys almost equally. This was Will Howard's game, and he played a great game. 15 of 17, 164 yards, a couple of touchdown passes, no mistakes. That's, of course, been his Achilles heel. And on the ground, he had nine carries for 24 yards. That was the Will Howard from last season. Efficient, no real big mistakes. He was really good on Saturday against Houston. So I guess Chris Kleiman basically decided, I'm going to ride him. He's my guy. He was the starter before the season. He's the veteran. So let's see what he's got. And um, it worked out very well against the Houston Cougars on Saturday in that 41-0 win. But Kansas State is an absolute machine right now. You know, I was going through drive-by-drive on this game, and Kansas State did not give up a drive longer than 31 yards to Houston. You heard that right. Houston did not have a drive longer than 31 yards in this game. That's how dominant Kansas Kansas State was on that side of the ball. I mean, it was so impressive to watch from this Wildcats team. Now they get the uh, running game going as well behind DJ Giddens. He had a couple of rushing touchdowns, 96 yards on the afternoon, spread the ball around through the air, led by Phillip Brooks, five catches, 83 yards. So these guys were feeling good on Saturday. And Kansas State, don't look now, but I would not want to be playing this Kansas State team. And they are going to Texas on Saturday, week 10. It's a big noon Fox kickoff, 11 o'clock Central, of course. And that is going to be one of the can't-miss games of the Big 12 season. Heck of the college football season. It will play an enormous role in this race going forward. And for Houston, I mean, Houston looked like it was still stuck in the Texas game last week. Houston had no juice in this game. I get it. They lost a tough one last week against Texas. They got screwed at the end of that game on the spot. But... Man, you got to move on. And it looked like Dana Holgerson and that team, they were still stuck in week eight, still stuck on the end of that Texas game, and it showed. They left everything they had back in Houston. They brought none of it to Manhattan, and uh, they got absolutely walloped. I mean, it was over from the get-go. K-State scored on its first drive, and that was, I mean, wipe your hands clean. That was game, set, match. On Saturday. So uh, the new Big 12 schools continue to struggle as Houston falls to one and four in conference play. It was a bad Saturday all around, by the way, for the four new schools who are once again proving, and I'm not knocking the four new schools, but I'm just pointing out this notion that the Big 12 has always been like the AAC plus, like the, the AAC was ever close to the Big 12 is comical based on how much these new four schools are struggling in this league thus far. I mean, they are having a lot of issues. We go from one to the other, UCF losing to West Virginia at home, 41 to 28. UCF is 0-5 in league play. By the way, my lock of the week for you was West Virginia plus seven at UCF. I said UCF had no business being a touchdown favorite in league play over anybody, never mind a West Virginia team that had lost two straight that desperately needed this win. That was ridiculous from Vegas. 
I gave you West Virginia as my lock of the week. We hit that. I gave you Kansas plus 10 as my underdog of the week. And then my bad bet I missed out on. I had Texas minus 18 and a half as my bad bet, meaning I was on the other side of that with BYU. So I went two and one on the picks. That puts us at 15, eight and one on the season. Another two and one week. I want to hit a three and oh week, but I'm giving you some good stuff here. I saw Stanford Steve on college game days like 12 and 25. <laughs> He's having a horrible year. And I promise you, they're, they're paying that guy a lot of money for those picks on college game day, and he's sucking wind. I'm sitting here 15-8-1 on the picks this year. So you want to be subscribed to this channel because on Wednesday or Thursday night, depending on how the week plays out, I give you my picks on YouTube and on the podcast. So don't miss that show because that's where you're going to make some money. Now, West Virginia did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They dominated UCF on the ground. They crushed them in the running game. 286 yards on the ground, 5.7 yards a carry, five rushing touchdowns. CJ Donaldson was an absolute beast. 17 carries, a buck 21, a touchdown. Garrett Green had arguably, I would argue, possibly the best game of his career, certainly of the season. Three rushing touchdowns, 11 carries, 55 yards, and he threw 14 to 23 for a buck 56. He was very solid. Now, UCS defense is not any good, and the offense just couldn't keep up, and uh, Plumlee threw three interceptions on the day. He, he struggled. Uh, for a veteran at home, by his standards, he had himself a rough afternoon. So uh, UCF did not look good. They are 0-5 in league play. Uh, they really couldn't do anything against West Virginia's running attack. They couldn't get themselves back into the Mountaineers' backfield either. So West Virginia dominated the line of scrimmage. They mostly dominated the game. And uh, WVU plus seven was an absolute lock all week long. I gave it to you. I felt as good about that lock as I felt about any pick this season. I told you that last week. And West Virginia takes care of business 41-28. So now the Mountaineers are 5-3, and 3-2 three, three and two in the league, and, you know, one win for West Virginia, and they find themselves to bowl eligibility. And that's the least that Neil Brown needs to feel good about keeping that job. But they have a very, very winnable schedule down the home stretch. BYU at Oklahoma, Cincinnati, Baylor. Three and one is not out of the question for West Virginia. Neil Brown's eight and four, and he's certainly keeping his job at eight and four. No doubt about that. So uh, West Virginia gets a very good victory on Saturday down in Central Florida. Meantime, let's go next uh, to the uh, let's go to the afternoon, the mid afternoon games. We'll go to here. Not a lot to say about this one, but Texas crushes BYU thirty five to six. Malik Murphy, redshirt freshman quarterback, you know he's got talent. Everyone Texas puts in the field has talent. He made some freshman mistakes, especially the first interception, but Texas got it right back. Um, they jump out to a 14-0 lead, and I'll tell you what. I thought that BYU, uh, Coach Sataki, played it way, way, way too comfortable early on. I know, and cautious, I know you want to get points on the board on the road. 
But you're down 14 nothing against Texas. You're showing no ability to really stop them, and you're kicking field goals. I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, what, what are you doing? I mean, I, once again, I, I get it, um, and they had to delay a game, whatever. But I was just like, you got to go for it, right? I think that they were playing it too cautious there early in the game. Texas was clearly in control. You had to take a chance. You had to put some pressure on them. You had to make them sweat a little bit, and BYU did not do it. And they got dominated from start to finish in that game. And here's the thing, uh, and, and BYU, even if it's even in its two conference wins, they got outgained in total yards. They had that issue against Cincinnati, and they had that same issue against Texas Tech. Now they won the turnover battle. Um, certainly last week, they did a, a very good job. They had a cleaner game last week. But even in their two wins, they got outgained by 100-plus yards in both of them. And then Saturday, uh, they just got completely manhandled by a Texas team that was looking to have a bounce-back game after struggling against Houston the week prior. Texas had 12 tackles for loss in this game. We knew that BYU uh, was going to struggle on the ground. They have all season long. And then we find out LJ Martin's not playing before the game, and it was like, all right, this could get ugly fast. And that's exactly what happened. So I might have picked differently if I knew that Martin wasn't going to play. But either way, that was my only loss of the week when it came to my picks. I gave you a West Virginia plus seven as my lock. I gave you Kansas plus 10 as an underdog. I only missed out um, giving you Texas minus the 18 as my bad bet. So I was on the BYU side of that one. But Texas looks like the team that can compete, of course, at the top of the Big 12, which we all expected. They just had a stinker last week against Houston, but got out of there with a win. So they are part of this five-way tie atop the Big 12, which is just crazy right now. Next up, Iowa State beats Baylor 30-18. to Another game around the Big 12 that was wet, damp, ugly, nasty. You say whatever you want about it. Uh, it was ugly. We had one of our reporters, Derek Duke. He was in Waco at that game. If you saw him down there, I um, hope you said hi. He's always down for a free beer. He never says no to one of those. But uh, this this box score, if you just see the score of the game, 30-18, it doesn't really do it justice. Iowa State had total control of this game from start to finish. The offense is hot. Um, didn't play its best game, but here's the thing. What I thought was interesting is Rocco Beck said after the game that this was his worst game, but he had a running game that really supported him, averaging four and a half yards a carry, 162 on the ground, and that's been Baylor's problem. Baylor is bad in the trenches. I mean, Iowa State dominated them on both sides of the ball in the trenches. Iowa State rushed for 162 yards. Baylor rushed for 67 yards, less than three yards per carry. Iowa State had eight tackles for loss, a couple of sacks. Baylor was barely getting into the Iowa State backfield on Saturday night. And uh, it's what we expected would happen in this game. I was shocked that Baylor opened up as a two-point favorite. Now, the, the, the line swung five points the other way to Iowa State being a three-point favorite, but that was just a strange line from the get-go. Very bizarre. And now Baylor, you know, the roller coaster season continues for the Baylor Bears. Think about this Baylor season. There are two Big 12 wins 
UCF, I mean, they were dead the rights in that game, of course. We all know, you know, the comeback and what that game was all about and how it played out after they were down 35-10 going into the fourth quarter and they scored 26 unanswered points to win the game. Um, and then the Cincinnati game, you know, a couple of special teams plays here and there, and they barely eked out that win on the road last week. I don't know if Dave Aranda's seat is hot. It's probably not. I mean, he's 700 days removed from winning the Big 12 two years ago, but it's got to be warming up because Dave Aranda, I mean, last year he was picked to win the Big 12 and they fell flat on their face and finished 500. And this year, some people were like, hey, Baylor, Dark Horse, maybe they can get it done. And (laughs) completely have basically just crapped themselves, for lack of a better word. This is not a good football team that Dave Aranda's got. And it looks like it's a program that's regressing. That's the worst part for Dave Aranda. It looks like a program that's regressing. Now, the good news for him is he's got Houston this weekend. If he can't beat Houston, then we've really got a problem there in Waco. But after that, at K-State, at TCU versus West Virginia. I don't see 3-1 and one for Baylor, which is what they need to do to get to a bowl game. And if they go from Big 12 championship two years ago to then last year, pick to win the league, and instead what happens last year? Well, they finish 6-7. and seven. They lose to Air Force in the bowl game. To then this year missing a bowl game? That is not the progression that you want if you're Dave Aranda. Meantime, Iowa State is sitting there saying, hey, look at us, first place. I mean, if you are Matt Campbell, you are getting the last laugh, man. I mean, how many fans were chanting overrated? Not many of them. I mean, just a couple of knucklehead fans, and every fan base has these fans. But the guy goes one and two in non-con. Loses to Iowa. I mean, he can't beat Iowa outside of last year. They go to Ohio. They lose to Ohio. They got a bunch of guys that have food poisoning going into that game. He's one and two. Then he loses to Oklahoma by 30 points a couple of weeks later. At that point, Iowa State's two and three. People are saying Matt Campbell should have jumped ship when he had the chance. Oh, my goodness. He hung around way too long. Well, what ends up happening? The guy rips off three straight wins. He beats TCU, Cincinnati, Baylor. All in dominant fashion, by the way. All by double digits. And Matt Campbell has Iowa State tied for first place going into November. What more do you want out of Matt Campbell? If you're an Iowa State fan and I told you this season, with all the new faces, with all the offseason drama, the gambling investigations, you got a quarterback who's brand new because you had to boot the old one because he was placing bets on, you know, D2 wrestling or whatever the heck he was doing in Hunter Deckers, that you are going into the final month of the season tied for first place in the league. You'd be like, of course you'd sign up for that if you're an Iowa State fan. Let Matt Campbell do his thing. The guy knows what he's doing. He knows how to coach up guys. They usually get better as the season progresses. I mean, just stop. Any criticism of Matt Campbell has been out of line for a very long time. And he's actually got special teams chipping in this year, too. So it is all good in Ames right now. 
They are hosting Kansas in a sneaky big game in Week 10. Oh, my gosh. Week 10 is going to be amazing. I, week 10 is going to be incredible in this league for so many reasons. You're going to have K-State, Texas into Bedlam, into KU, Iowa State. I mean, just my head's exploding thinking about it right now. That's how good it's going to be. But Iowa State is right in the thick of it at the top of the Big 12. Go figure. Couldn't have predicted that. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. Hey, hit the thumbs up if you're joining us on YouTube Live. That helps us tremendously on the show. We appreciate you being here reacting to Week 9 in the Big 12 Conference. Heartland College Sports covers the Big 12. And if you're on the podcast, you want a koozie, cheers, by the way. Um, hit the five-star rating and review and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. All righty. Haven't talked about it yet. The last game of the night, Oklahoma State dominates Cincinnati 45-13. to Oh, my goodness. Ollie freaking Gordon learned the name. Ollie Gordon might not just be the best player in the Big 12 right now. I've been saying that for two weeks. Ollie Gordon is working his way into Heisman Trophy contention with the way he's playing the last couple of weeks. Ollie Gordon in conference play is averaging 195 rushing yards per game. Ollie Gordon just had himself 271 rushing yards against Cincinnati, capped it off with a 75-yard touchdown, which was the icing on the cake. He had two scores on the night. This after he had over 280 in last week's victory for the Cowboys. This guy is absolutely steamrolling opponents. It is Barry Sanders-esque what Ollie Gordon is doing. That's how good this guy has been. And he may be the best player in the sport in all of college football that the casual fan doesn't even know. Because Oklahoma State was... Just like Iowa State, they were dead. People were questioning Mike Gundy. Does he still have the itch? Does he still want to do it? Does he still want to, you know, coach in this NIL world or not? And here Mike Gundy is with the Oklahoma State Cowboys in that five-way tie for first place. They're 6-2 and two overall. They've won four straight games. K-State, Kansas, West Virginia, Cincinnati. They're absolutely rolling. And it is so much fun to watch this team. And uh, if you didn't watch the game, here's another great storyline for the Cowboys. Leon Johnson III. The guy is a former Division III All-American. No catches this year. He leads the team on Saturday night, five receptions, 149 yards. They were talking on the broadcast about how they were considering redshirting him this year. Can't redshirt him after five catches for a buck 49 going into Bedlam when he's six foot five. He has been and was the downfield threat that Oklahoma State really needs. I mean, they've got guys like Presley, but you want a big-bodied dude like that down the field. And he had one drop early in the fourth quarter. But outside of that, uh, he had a great game, Leon Johnson the third. So this offense is finding new pieces, it seems like, every week. And it's all revolving around Ollie Gordon who is the best player in the Big 12 Conference, bar none right now. Now, for Cincinnati, there are a lot of problems there. They don't have a quarterback. 
Emory Jones was 6 of 16 for 117 yards with an interception. Brady Lichtenberg came in late in garbage time. He had a nice pass, a nice touchdown pass across his body to Aaron Turner. So, I mean, it was a pretty throw, but I don't know. It was a small sample size. I I just know this. Emory Jones cannot win you Big 12 games consistently. And you got to have the quarterback. And he can't do it. So at this point, if I'm Cincinnati and I'm 0-5 in the league and I got UCF coming to town this weekend, I I may roll with Brady Lichtenberg, depending on how he looks in practice and how he's been playing and how he's been leading the guys. I I may be looking at that if I'm Scott Satterfield because it's just not working with Emory Jones the last three weeks. You are behind the eight ball. The running game's been able to get something going. You know, Cincinnati rushed for 277 yards in this game. But they couldn't stop Ollie Gordon, and they don't have the quarterback to keep up. And by the way, this was a Cincinnati team that came in top two in the Big 12 in rushing yards allowed per game. And Oklahoma State torched them for 315. So go figure. How about that? I'm Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports. What a week nine in the Big 12 Conference. Thanks for being here. Uh, We got the... uh, Haters out in full force. Pete, I'm a KU season ticket holder, 32 years. I unsubscribed because I don't give KU any credit. Oklahoma State isn't bad. KU is... When did I say KU wasn't good? I just crowed about KU. I What show are you watching, brother? You got to be kidding me with that. I, 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 I spent the first seven minutes on KU, on Lance Leipold, and waxing poetic about the program. I know some of you want to find reasons to be upset with the takes I gave you on the show, but come on. If that's what you took out of this show, you ain't listening to this show. You're just coming to your own conclusions of the show. That's all you're doing. Oh, my goodness gracious. Joel says, Matt Campbell to Michigan State. Nah. 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 Uh, No. Why would you want to be with that dumpster fire? and play second fiddle in that state to Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, one of the all-time great blue bloods in college football. No way. Love the shirt, Feinbaum. Yep. Thank you very much for the shirt credit. He is a, a clown, no doubt about that. Um, this is going to be such a great week in the Big 12. Uh, you look at what's coming up this week, and if you haven't seen it, we do have the kickoff times, by the way, as I've teased and mentioned throughout the show. We have a Thursday night game, TCU at Texas Tech, and then Saturday, uh, we got the rundown here. Let me share it with you. We've got a big noon kickoff that is going to be Kansas State at Texas. Then after that, uh, we got a bunch of 2.30 kickoffs, central time, of course. Bedlam's at 2.30 on ABC, Houston at Baylor on ESPN+, and UCF at Cincinnati on Fox Sports 1. Kansas State at Iowa State, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN. That's a nice slot for them. And then BYU at West Virginia, 6 o'clock on FS1. So it is going to be an incredible Week 10 in the Big 12 Conference. I cannot wait for it. How many teams are going to try to poach Ollie Gordon? A lot. I put it up on Twitter. I hope you're following us there, at Heartland underscore CS. I said, have the Ollie Gordon 2024 sweepstakes begun yet? Something tells me they have. 
yeah, they're going to try. I hope Mike Gundy does everything he can to keep him. He's got one more year on campus before he's likely off to the uh, NFL. All right. I'm Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports. You know what to do. Subscribe to the channel. Please do that. Uh, join our free message boards, by the way. We react and talk to other Big 12 fans on those message boards at heartlandcollegesports.com. And on the uh, podcast, I got these koozies for you. If you leave a rating and a review, I want to get to 750 by, I think I can do it. And you can help me do it here in the next couple of weeks. We got 720 ratings right now. Can we get to 750 by week 11? What do you think? I know you haven't done it yet. Just hit the five star. And if you want the koozie, send me the screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We so appreciate you guys. We love every one of you. We love the Big 12. We love college football. And we will talk to you throughout the week. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and the YouTube channel. And we will be here throughout the week on Heartland College Sports. I'm Pete Mundo. What a great week nine. Put a bow on it. Cheers to you. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.